Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is July 26th, 2023. We continue our series, Words for Life, and today's word is fear not. So have you ever found yourself afraid of the future? Maybe you won't say you're afraid, but maybe you're just worried about the future. You know, I have found as time goes on that there are many Christians who live in fear. They don't know it's fear. They call it other things such as worry and stress and problems of life. But it's elements of fear and it's fear that has gripped them and usually with enough study of the word, they come face to face with this fear. The other day I read a study that talked about the large percentage of Americans that now live under fear. Fear can come from a variety of places. But our word today is fear not. So let's read some scripture and jump into this. We're going to start with our first scripture in Isaiah chapter 44. Verses 6 through 8. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people. And the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to them. Do not fear, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it to you? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. Now, this is a fantastic scripture. This is a scripture that, as a minister, you just love to preach on for an hour. There's so much in it. I'm not going to do that, but I am bringing this out with our word for the day, fear not. And we see in verse 8, the Lord says, do not fear nor be afraid. Well, let's grab some of this in context because this is a declaration. God is making a declaration of who he is. From the very beginning, I'm the Lord, I'm the King of Israel. I'm the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God. He keeps repeating who he is. That there's no one like him. It also goes in who can proclaim as I do. So in stating who he is, what he knows, he's telling you, does anyone tell you things like I do? And then the thing I really feel in my spirit I want to share is here he brings about, talking about the ancient people and the things he's declared 
He's set in order. And then he says, and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to them. Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? God has always, always through the ages, from the ancient people, as his passage is telling us, to the Old Testament, to the New Testament, and even to today, God wants you to know who he is, and he declares what's going to come. And anytime he tells you, listen, I'm telling you what is coming. He's not hiding it. He doesn't want us to be caught off guard. And I know we, we go, but I don't understand. I need more details. I need, we want to understand things more. He has not always given us that type of clarity. And he knows best. But when he says this, it's usually followed by these words, do not fear, do not be afraid. Have I not told you? He follows it up with, you are my witnesses. Again, this is God commissioning you and I to tell people about who he is. You know, he is having to repeat this declaration to you and I, people that supposedly know who God is. And, and I, I want to bring this up. I, I feel like sometimes I preach the same thing over and over and over again, but it bears repeating because there's this religious spirit that grips you and I that we say these words, oh, I know that. Oh, I know that. Oh, God said, oh, yeah, I know God said that. We say these things. And when we do this, we're showing our deafness. We're using our work, religious, tradition, mentality to justify why we don't need to change, why we know everything, why we are the answer. Heck, we might as well be God. That's, that's what we say when we give this little statement. Oh, I know that. Don't tell me these things. I know that. See, God is telling you and I who he is because we really don't get it. And how must we sound to the Lord when the Lord says, I am the first and the last. I'm God. Does anyone do this? And we look at him and go, oh, yeah, God, I know that. Oh, yeah, God, I know these things. And then he looks at us and he goes, oh, I told you what's coming. Don't be afraid. You see, there is things that are coming upon this world in the culmination before the return of Christ. There are going to be things that are so mind-blowing. I believe in the, if you study in times of scriptures that talk about even the elect could be deceived if it was possible. Let me translate this for you in my street language. There are going to be things that are going to happen that will no matter what you think you know, the deception and evil with it will be so bad that the only reason why you're not fooled by it is because the Spirit of God slaps you upside the head on the inside and says, wake up. Wake up. The whole world will buy into it completely. And you, who the Holy Spirit wakes up, will be such an enigma, an outsider that the world will seek to get rid of you. Because you can't possibly function as a human being because the deception that they believe is truth is so obvious to them that you must 
we must get though they think they must get rid of you don't in order for life to be okay this is this is worse than the things that went on with world war ii when they convinced people that the jews weren't humans and you could get rid of them when they tried to tell you what truth is and isn't i mean that was bad then but the bible says it will be even worse near the coming of the son of man and yet here's the lord i know that's not supposed to be an end time saying but he's telling you that he's declared things and we're not to be afraid that we are to be witnesses and then in saying that he follows that up with a repeat is there a god beside me that's not for you and I to respond with, oh, I know. That's for you and I to sit back and ponder a moment about how big and how great we need to put our thoughts upon how awesome and unique and wonderful, loving and protective our God is so that we are not scared of the world. Now, one more thing I just want to point out, and I'm not going to get into technicalities things, but you have a fear, which can be like, I'm afraid fear, but there's also like, you see scriptures about the fear of the Lord. And see, there's a fear that's also defined as a reverential awe. In other words, this thing is so awe-inspiring and powerful, but yet you have to have a respect for it because you know it could hurt you. It doesn't, but it could. I like to liken it to, if you go back in time, with so many stories and books and things written from the 1800s and even into the early 1900s. I can even, maybe even bring up the book series, Little House on the Prairie, not the TV series, although there's some elements to this in that, but the book series. But you know, there were so many things in that time period where the children would look at their father with this type of fear. It was a reverential awe. They looked at the father who was providing in a society that was much harder to live. And he was a man that worked and took care of them and loved them. And he was, he was, he was like the superhero. And yet the child also had a fear because they knew if they did wrong, this strong man that loved and protected them, he was going, he's going to whip the little hiney. You know, he was, and they feared that. They knew that the integrity and righteousness and honesty of their dad would not allow them to get away with the bad thing. And so you see in so many of these things, the, you know, the, especially with kids in writing, they talk about a friend at school would want them to do something bad and they wouldn't do it because they were, quote, afraid of their father. Now, that afraid is not a bad fear. Their, their father loved them and the stories share those things. But it was a, I can't cross him in this because of his character and I don't want to deal with the consequences. There's that fear. There's another fear that's here like, don't nor be afraid. This is a fear where you're, you're in panic, you're in flight mode, you're in this, I've got to get away. I've, I, my life is in danger. I'm just scared out of my mind. And this context of do not fear, do not, nor be afraid is sort of a combination of the two. In other words, you're afraid of something with respect because you understand the power, 
but it is also coupled with the panic, fear, and flight that doesn't make any sense. See, this is what God is telling us, that there are things coming that, yes, you should respect it. It could do you damage, but don't all flee in panic. In other words, what's going to happen is very powerful, could very things, but it's also going to bring feelings of panic, flight, of I can't control myself. I've got, you know, that, that's, it's both together at once. And God is telling us that we're to have neither of what is coming. Now let's read another scripture, Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 27. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole of creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now here we have a passage. I think I've probably in the last year or so have used this and taught on this before. But I want to put this in the context with our word, fear not. And I want to follow it up with that Isaiah thing with, have I not told you? There are many scriptures where it talks about our suffering. We should consider it joy when we face trials and tribulations. Here it begins with, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time were not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be or will be revealed in us. Again, there's something happening in the present that's not good. But we're told to push through it for something glorious in the future. And most of this passage, I'm not gonna, I am not don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but most of this passage talks about all of creation is waiting for redemption. Your and my redemption. When Jesus comes and grabs us up into the clouds and the judgment is done and things are put back right. But, you have to go through things to get there. There will be suffering. There are labor and birth pangs. That's what it talks about, birth pangs. Anyone that knows anything about labor and birthing, especially you women that are mothers, you understand labor is, is terrible, painful. So one of the closest points of death a woman comes into. And yet it brings such joy and happiness to have the child. That's 
where we're at a little bit, it's also where God is saying, do not fear, nor be afraid. There are things in life that we will have to go through, that we'll have to suffer. But he has something better for us on the other side. I know in our selfishness and our flesh, we go, well, why can't God just not have the suffering part? Well, why can't God just do this? Listen, there are some things that you and I may never understand. But as a parent, and as my wife would say, labor was absolutely terrible, but it was all worth it when you hold the baby. Scriptures in the Old Testament, even some of the New, but I'm thinking of the Proverbs and Psalms, where our life is called a vapor. I think it also brings that up in Ecclesiastes. Your life is but a vapor. We're here one minute, gone the next. We're like flowers and grass. We, we you know, we, you green in the summer, but then you wither and die later on. It's, it is short. The whole idea is life is short. And the things that we suffer now that we cry about in the the face of eternity is nothing. And God is creating something for us that's eternal. That's wonderful. That this vapor of a life isn't worthy to compare to. And he's telling us this. This is God telling us of things to come in the future. Have we not heard? And he's like reminding you that your enemy, the devil, this world system, your flesh is trapped in a sinful nature. Do not want you and I to attain this glory. This thing that God has prepared for us. This redemption for us. It doesn't want it. And that's why there is suffering now. To try to, in this moment, in this instant, in this little vapor in eternity, shortness of life, the enemy is trying to get your eyes off of the prize, off of Jesus, off of his promises, and off of the great things that he's told us. And he wants us to fear and be afraid. If we are fearful and afraid of our present suffering, maybe we will reject the idea of what we're going to get for this and believe him, believe a lie. Jump in, jump for something easier. But if you do that, you're trading a moment of sinful pleasure for an eternity of suffering. The very thing you're trying to escape from, you buy into for eternity. And see, that's what the Lord is, is warning us about. Not only is he warning us, but he's telling us that we, you and I, are witnesses. We've seen him, who he is, who is God. Is there anyone like him? We're witnesses to tell people that. To give them a chance not to believe the deceptive lie. Let me read the last scripture passage. Matthew chapter 13. Verses 24 through 43. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in this field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? 
But he said, No, least while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed in the least of all the seeds, but when it grows is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Another parable he spoke to them, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. And without a parable, he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. His disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares in the field. And he answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the son of the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, this, this passage of parables, it is, it is revelation. It is a prophetic message to you and I. It's a prophetic parable. It's a prophetic word. God is revealing things of our future to us. He's telling us. He's not letting us be fooled or deceived. And yet, it says that this is the secret from the foundation. And it's a secret because you have to have ears to hear. He says to he who has ears, let him hear. Now, we all have ears. So, so well, I have ears. I can hear. But that doesn't mean you understand. Your spirit must hear. You must spiritually hear this. There are too many people I know that are religious. I can read this and they go, oh, I know that. Oh, I know all about that. Oh, I know exactly what it's saying. They do not have ears to hear. If you if you listen to this podcast and I read a scripture passage and you go, oh, I know all about that. I guarantee you, you're religious, you're spiritually deaf, and you don't know what it's saying. We must humble ourselves and come to the Lord and ask his spirit to teach us. And here he's given us prophetic revelation. And many of you have probably heard teaching on this before. I'm not trying to repeat teaching. I'm trying to put this in with the word that we've been given today, which is fear not, do not fear. Obviously, the parable of the terrors, it's okay. It's about the second coming. Yes, yes. It's about, you know, the rapture, second coming, uh, blah, blah, blah. You can get a lot of theological points but i want to tie this in with these two scriptures why this is having to do with fear why does it have to do with romans the sufferings of this present time you see the spirit really spoke to me and said don't you understand that you and i were living in this parable see 
we're living in a world where the tares are growing up around us. If 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 you if you're a Christian, if you believe in Jesus Christ, then you were the good seed that has been sown, and you are the crop that has come up. But we're living with tares. And one thing I know, I'm I'm trying to grow. I don't I really have a garden. I've got some raised gardening beds. I, I try to grow some stuff. But one thing I can tell you is that if you allow weeds in your garden, the weed competes with what you're trying to grow. It's competing with the nutrients. And if you get too many weeds in your garden, those weeds suck out the nutrients and your crop suffers. And you see, that's what's happening to us. We're living in this world and the enemy has planted his seed. And for people who reject Jesus, who don't know Jesus, who don't know God and his kingdom, they are tares. And the tares cause suffering to the good crop. This is a plan of the enemy. That's why you and I suffer. That's why people in the world suffer at the hands of other people. And of course, you know, the Bible says, hey, listen, these people aren't your enemies. Are we wrestle not against flesh and blood? It's the enemy who has sown into them that is our enemy. But still, it is other human beings that cause suffering in the world through sin and evil. They are why we are suffering. And God's saying, do not fear. Do not fear. I don't have to fear the future. I don't have to fear what's going to happen if my government goes bad. I don't have to fear what happens if the Antichrist comes. I don't have to fear, you know, organized crime, evil people. I do not have to fear these things because, one, it didn't take God by surprise. And two, he is telling you and I about it. And he's telling us, do not fear, do not be afraid, do not lift these things. Have I not, he's God, back to Isaiah, have I not told you who I am? See, we have a way of, of looking at things around us, like the tears in this field. And from our perspective, the whole field looks bad. We're surrounded by weeds. Like the, in the other parable of the sower, the, the weeds or the cares of the world that choke you out. We, we see these things. We see the, the suffering or the hardship it brings. Maybe we see one of them growing up and we know, oh my gosh, this is going to cause me great harm. God says, do not fear. Why? Because number one, God is God. And like, like a good farmer, he's going to make sure you have the nutrients. He wants you to grow and produce a harvest. Because at the end of the age, like this parable, at the end of the age, there's a harvest. He's going to come and get the fruit of his harvest. You will produce fruit. If God's good seed is in you and you're growing, it will produce 30, 60, 100 fold. Why? Because it is the word of God. You get the word of God in you. It does not return to God void. God's word always produces fruit. It will produce in you. Just like that scripture, he who began a good work will see it through to you to completion. He's going to do it. And so at the harvest, he comes and gathers. And of course, the tares are then ripped out. Listen, God ripping out tares is not painless. And you, we, you see that sometimes roots get intertwined and there's you're ripping out. 
Now, he didn't do this earlier because he goes, well, if you rip out the tares, you could damage the wheat. So why isn't he worried about that at the harvest? Because it's the harvest. doesn't matter if he if you're ripping out the tares and you do damage to the wheat roots. It doesn't matter because the wheat is going to get pulled up as well. It's called the harvest. The wheat is harvested and the grain is harvested and that wheat plant is transformed into something else. That grain is gathered, the chaff is taken off, you take the grains and you make flour, you make bread, you make wonderful things. You see, God is going to come and he's going to do some pulling and that looks painful, but it's in the process of us being transformed into redemption. The fruitfulness, the full fruit of everything is now coming to pass. That's the kind of so many people, they read Revelation and they're scared. They see the death and everything. That's just God ripping out the terrors. But at that time, yeah, it may seem like it's painful to us, but we are now into redemption. We are being brought into something new. As I wrap this up, I could go on and on, but my time is, 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 is passing here. But I want to ask, are you listening? Are you hearing what God is saying today to you? Fear not. Fear not. Look at who God is. Look at who God is and how big he is. The fact that he loves you and he will take care of you. How he's called you to be a witness that in these moments when people panic, we're not supposed to, we're supposed to be filled with the peace of God when people have fear and to be a witness of his goodness. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would touch people. If they've wrestled with fear, if they've been concerned, God, Lord, right now I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch them, Lord, that you would fill them up with your peace, that you would remind them of who you are. Just like Jesus walking out to the disciples on the boat in the storm, they had fear. Help us to keep our eyes upon you, God, because you're calling us to get up out of this boat and walk on water. You're calling us to walk with you in a world that's full of waves and turmoil. And you want us to walk with you, God. To walk, literally to walk on water, to put people in awe. Help us to keep our eyes on you and filled with you, God. Lord, I thank you for your hand of protection and upon us. And we give you praise for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can hear other teachings on our website at www.christianimpact.net. And until next time, God bless. Oh.